Hey, how's it going? My name is Stephen Marks and welcome to the Spirit and Truth podcast. My purpose with all of these teachings is to equip you with the word of God and help you understand your authority, your power, your victory and mission as a believer in Jesus Christ. So you go from glory to glory and victory to victory by the power of Holy Spirit who lives in you. So enjoy, God bless and let's get our generation saved. Good morning and welcome to episode number four of money management and stewardship in the kingdom of God, right? So we've gone through three episodes of understanding that majority of Christians actually believe in the biblical definition of prosperity, which is God's financial empowerment of you to meet the needs of your family and to meet the needs of the hurting world around you, right? We've established that. We've established all the different truths that every Christian basically believes in according to the word of God that prove that prosperity is a thing, right? And we've, we've gone through that. So go back and listen to them if you need to recover them. And now we're pressing into these key laws behind now that we understand this is a thing, how do we now use our finances in a way to glorify God and not in a way that one, binds God's hands so that he can't work in our life or two allows the devil a foothold in our finances because he can not allow any angle of our life right and in particular this one because if we as the church don't have funds we can't expect to be able to fund the kingdom of God which is why we have money in the first place according to Deuteronomy 8:18 right it is God has given you the ability to generate wealth for the advancement of his kingdom or for the confirmation of his covenant and we are in the new covenant right So check it out. This is what I wanted to hit today. Understanding the law of faith and Satan's role. You've got to understand this. All right. So this is what it says in Romans 3, 27. It says, uh, then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. The law of faith. Right. And he's talking about righteousness of God through faith. We receive the righteousness of God through faith. Right. And so everything hinges on this law of faith. So what the heck is faith? Well, we know from Hebrews 11 verse one what faith is. But more importantly, how do we get it? That's Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes by hearing or perceiving or understanding or or, um, yeah, perceiving. I just said that um, the word of God. Right. And so in all, the word of God then plays a role in receiving faith. So this is what I wanted to read. It's a big scripture, but that's okay. Go with me to Mark 4. All right, we're going to be Mark 4, starting in verse 1. It says again, he began. So this is Jesus. He began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered around him so that he could Uh, So that he got into a boat and sat on it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching them many things in parables, right? Jesus was always parable. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seed fell on the path and the birds came and devoured it. Some seed seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up, but it had no depth um, of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And the other seed fell in good soil and produced grain 
growing up and increasing yield 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Everyone had ears. So he obviously wasn't talking about physical ears. It's talking about spiritual eyes and ears, right? Verse 10, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parable, parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand. Right. So you're now talking about faith. You need to perceive. You need to understand, which is linking back into Romans 10, 17, which I talked about in the beginning. Then lest or if you understand, if you turn and be forgiven. All right. OK, now this is deep. If you perceive, if you understand, you will turn and be forgiven. You can flip that whole thing on its head. Isn't that amazing? The word of God's so good. So verse 13, and he said to them, do you understand? Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. And these are the ones sown on rocky grounds. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones among the thorns. They are those that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of things enter in and choke the world um, and it pro proves fruit unfruitful. This is why I hit the last point in understanding um, the things that people believe for why. Oh, my goodness. This is why I hit my last point was finally, you know, it's not impossible to increase financially and to start loving money more than God. It's important to hit that point because people need to understand riches are deceitful. They're not evil but they can be deceitful when your god is riches and your god is not god jesus the living god right you need to be careful of riches this is why we're learning about them but those this is verse 20 those that were sown on good soil are those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold 60 fold and a hundred fold okay so that's a lot of scripture. Now, let's digest it. This is what it says. The word of God matters. This is the point I want to get across. Number one, the word of God is the key to the laws in the spirit. Do you see that? Because we know from Hebrews 11 verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Okay. And now he's saying we boast in the law of faith. Romans 3 verse 27. How do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing or understanding or perceiving the word of God. So the word of God is key to the law of the spirit. Okay. Or the law of faith. Now point two, the law of the spirit governs the law of the natural. Do you understand that? It is over and above the natural. The natural is a result of what has already happened in the spirit. For instance, Light didn't exist in the very beginning. No, it didn't. It said darkness was over the face of the deep, right? Then God said, let there be light. Okay. 
Light didn't exist, but God had an idea of light. He knew what light was. That's why he spoke it, right? So he said something that wasn't as though it was. Let there be light. There wasn't light, but he was speaking. Let there be something that wasn't. All right. What happened? Immediately, there was light. So what happened? In the spirit, something happened first. And then in the natural, there was a reaction. Just like Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, just like the wind blows, you hear the wind, you see the reaction of what happens from the wind, but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it goes. So is it with the spirit. You can hear it. You can see its effect, but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going next. Exactly the same situation. So the spirit, the law of the spirit is above and governs the law of the natural, right? So here's the final part. Satan works in the natural world. Satan is not omnipresent. He is a like a person. He's in one place. He's, he's a fallen angel, right? Angels are not omnipresent. God, the spirit of God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all powerful, all knowing. Satan is not. He's a fallen angel. He's nothing special. He's pathetic. He's useless. He's nothing more than a deceiver. That's it. The thing about him is he hates you. It says he came to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you in your life. That's his mission in life. Every single person. Okay? And now his goal even more so once you're a believer is to make you ineffective in your walk with the Lord. And so what do we see him doing? Snatching the word immediately. We see him... um, with tribulation and persecution, all right, we see him with deceitfulness of riches, all right, and the desires of the world choking, right, proving unfruitful. So you see him all the way through. But in particular, in the first one, Satan comes and, sorry, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown. So you can expect Satan to move very quickly. The moment you receive revelation or something, there will be a move. Of Satan that comes. But that's okay. We know how to deal with that. How? Jesus said. He told us. He showed us a perfect example. I think it's Matthew 4. He's in the in the wilderness, right? He gets tempted. And every time that Satan comes to him, what does he do? It's at the end of a 40-day fast. So he's, he was, he's shattered. He's hungry. He's thirsty. And Satan comes to him, tempts him. And he says, it is written. Boom. Satan can't tempt anymore. Again, it is written can't tempt him anymore and again satan tempts him and he says it is written and then he says be gone satan so this is all you have to do to overcome any temptation in this world it is written it is written it is written satan go in the name of jesus according to the word of god which is true and final and nothing can deceive me any other way you have to leave go away and then go on your way don't even worry about satan once you command him to go he's got to go because it says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And then if you quote scripture, which is the word of God, back to Satan, he flees. He didn't argue with Jesus once. So he won't argue with you because it's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you, right? So you see again, this is now intense. You have to understand the law of and now this has got very little to do with finances. So I just, I needed to lay that foundation. All right. So, but it, it's important. This applies to finances. That That's ultimately what I want to say. This applies to finances. 
as well. Now I'm going to go into point two. So this one might be a little bit longer, but that's okay. Point two is this, the point and power of meditation on God's word, understanding the point and power of meditation on God's word. Why do I say that? Deuteronomy 28 says, um, let me read the beginning part to you. It says this. If you faithfully or faithful, right? Just like understanding the law of faith. If you faithfully obey, so it's do the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I commanded you today, the Lord will set you high above and all the blessings come upon you. So there's something about meditation and doing. Then we see it in Joshua 1. If you meditate on the word of God day and night and you put this ever before you, do not turn to the left or to the right, but you keep your eyes fixed on it, then you'll have good success. Then you will prosper. Psalm 1. If you delight yourself in the law of your law of the Lord above and beyond anything else, then you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. You'll yield your fruit in the season. Your leaf will not wither. In all you do, you'll prosper. So again, we see meditation on God's word. So the word of God, again, is the final authority. You have to settle this in your spirit now. God's word is the final authority. If the Bible says I can have something, it's mine. I don't care what my experience is. I don't care what any Tom, Dick, or Harry has said. The word of God is the word of God. You have to choose to decide on that now. Timothy says the word of God is God-breathed. Peter, which is it? Peter says that God inspired every single word of the Bible. All right, where is it? Where's Peter? Here. Second Peter, not first Peter. That no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You have to decide. This is what Scripture is talking about. The Word of God is the Word of God from the Spirit. John 17, 17 says the Word is truth. You have to settle on that. Okay, so now let me give you some quick points. How? To meditate on God's word. This is critical. Now that you've understood the law of faith. How do you put it into action with the, the word? Right? Because we understand faith comes by understanding and perceiving the word of God. Alright? It's looking deeper. So how do we get there? We meditate on God's word. How do we meditate? Okay. Number one. Apply the word of God to you personally. How does this hit me now? Okay, as I read the word of God, how does this hit me? You need to think about that. Question one, how does this apply to me? And it's as simple as writing these down. How does this apply to me? Read the scripture. Okay, how does this apply to me? Write down. Write down the first thing that says. Okay, cool. Applies to me there. Think about it. Perceive it. Understand it. Mull it over in your head. In the Psalms, there's always that word, selah, on the side. It means to pause and think. It's simply encouraging you to meditate and say, okay, read this and now think how does this apply to you how is this applicable to you now if this book is inspired by the spirit of god and the spirit of god dwells in you how does it apply to you how does it agree with where you are so that's point one apply the word of god to you personally number two allow holy spirit to make the word a reality in you okay commune holy spirit is inside of you okay how does this become a reality in me? In what situations do I see this happening? How is this for me? Who is it for if not for me? Who do I feel comes to mind? 
all of those things are deep and of value. Then point three, carefully ponder how the word applies to you. And then maybe a sub point of there, carefully ponder how the word applies to those closest to you, other people. Because yes, you're not constantly me focused, you're out focused as much as you are inward focused, right? The Bible says you love your neighbor as you do yourself. So the more you push out on others and the less you focus on yourself, you're not fulfilling what that is. You need to understand how it applies to you so you can apply it to other people as well. Does that make sense? Now, another one, point four, dwell on how the word changes your situation. This is all part of meditation. Lord, how does this shift where I am? What do I need to tweak in my life to bring it in agreement with your word? Because the word's right, my life is wrong. If I'm in a pickle of whatever, all right? So how does the word change your situation? Number five, place yourself in agreement with what God's word actually says. So don't read the word with a preconceived notion, a preconceived doctrine, a preconceived lens. Just simply read it for what it says. Read each word. Understand each little word. Take time. It's not a five-minute quiet time. It's not a quick prayer. It's the most powerful, life-changing thing you're ever going to do. That's how you treat every quiet time. You should never have a quiet time that you don't receive fresh revelation. You need to press in. God has so much for you. If you knew how much, you wouldn't ever stop. That's the reality. But what gets in the way? The world, the desires of the world, all the deceitful things. You've got to push those things back and create space for the Lord. All right, six, see yourself the way God sees you. All right. See yourself the way God sees you. Think about James. He says a person who looks into the perfect law of the Lord, all right, and then goes away and forgets immediately what he looks like. Okay, let me read it because I'm confusing. James 1. Okay. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty or freedom, and perceives, all right, Ooh, and perseveres, not perceives, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all he's doing. So we see again, the word is important, not only from an understanding, but a doing perspective. Excuse me. Okay. Seven. Further realize or settle on the integrity of God's word. Wow. <coughs> this is funny. I'm going to have these podcasts for years and I'm going to have sneezed on them. It's awesome. All right. Further settle or further realize on the integrity of God's word. In other words, revisit the fact. Oh my goodness. This is the word of God. This changes my life if my life is wrong in one shape or in one manner, right? If I bring my life and it doesn't match up, the word of God's right and I need to come in line with it. I need to obey the voice of the Lord. I need to obey what he's put down, all right? Because we submit to God. That's why uh, Peter talks about so, uh, submit yourselves therefore to God. All right, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord that he might exalt you. You want to come before God humbly. It doesn't mean come before God weak and all like floppy. It means come before God and understand with reverence who you are before. 
but have understanding of the blood of Jesus that covers you, that you come with confidence, not timid, but confidence, but respect, if that makes sense. So that's enough for today. We hit 20 minutes. I love you. God bless, and I'll see you tomorrow.